Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. So we're going to look to 2 Kings chapter 7, 2 Kings chapter 7. We're going to be talking about the depressed, the destitute, and the delivered. The depressed, the destitute, and the delivered. I know as we uh, think about this, uh, these titles, we're thinking about what is our world in today, right? Uh, we think about our world, and we think about the hopelessness that our world is in. Is there going to be uh, a great nation for our kids? I mean, there's probably many thoughts as if, thoughts like that that go through our mind. As we're, as we're talking through that, I mean, we all have gone through challenges. We've all gone through difficulties um, and um, heartaches in our life. In fact, uh, we can all think on different levels of those challenges. I can think um, a couple years ago uh, going to going to junior camp, and as we were on the way to junior camp, I think we had close to 80 kids, and, and as we're going to junior camp, the one thing you always want to make sure of is all the kids are safe, and, and all the kids had already gone in front of us, and we were kind of traveling behind, uh, the, uh, we were traveling behind the kids, and um, we were traveling, just got on the 15, as we're getting on the 15, headed down to, uh, to um, head south uh, to just past uh, Baker there, or right before Barstow is where Camp Ironwood is at, my phone started buzzing, and um, I'm driving, and it's kind of wedged in my pocket, and the feeling came through my mind, oh no, one of the kids are not doing well, or a van is broken down. Several thoughts go through my mind. As I'm beginning to think of that, I'm thinking, oh no, I need to do something. And I start to pull my phone out of my pocket. And as I did, maybe you've been there before, the, the steering wheel kind of goes and you kind of run over the, the, the bumps in the road. As I did that, I took that out. And my wife tell, looks over to me and she says something that I really didn't want to hear. I don't know if that's ever happened to you before. You've been driving, and the person that's not driving says something to you, and you're like, you're not driving, I'm driving. And well, this, what she said to me was very important. She said, Neil, there's a state trooper behind us. And I thought, oh no, here's the phone. I pass over the phone to her, and uh, I, I, I wait there, I'm driving, driving, I check the speed limit, I'm going good, I'm under the speed limit, and he turns his lights on, and I thought, this is not good. He pulls me over, and he, he comes up to the window, maybe he's asked you the same question before, he says, do you know what you were doing? Is every, or he asked me, he says, everything okay? Yes, sir. Well, I don't know about now, but I, everything, I'm just kidding, I didn't say that. <laughs> uh, I said, yes, sir, everything's all right. He said, what were you doing? I told him, I said, I, we're going to junior camp, and I, you know, I, my phone went off, and I thought it may have been one of the kids. He said, he's, and I said, I handed it to my wife. He said, you know that you went over the double white line? I said, I, I didn't know that. He said, you impeded in the white line. I said, I'm so sorry. He said, can I see your license and registration? I said, yes, sir. I gave it to him, and he went back to the car, and he helped remind me not to answer my phone while I'm driving. I, I say that because sometimes we go through challenges. Don't you go through difficulties, heartaches? You're like, oh, 
As we look to 2 Kings chapter 7, there is some darkness that's going on through the life of the Israelites. In fact, uh, as we uh, look to 2 Kings chapter 7, there is some depressed, people are depressed, people are destitute, there's some needs that are going on, but we're going to see some uh, folks that are delivered. Uh, This prophet, let me give you a little bit of background about what's going on here. The prophet of God, who is uh, the speaker of God at that time, his name is Elisha. He's referred to, Elisha is referred to the man of God. In fact, 40 times throughout this book, at least through 2 Kings, he's referred to that as the man of God. Instead of saying Elisha, it says the man of God. And there is another individual who would be the enemies of God or the enemy of God or Jehovah. His name is Ben-Hadad. Ben-Hadad is the king of Syria. And this man, he surrounds the entire city of Samaria which is modern-day Palestine, in efforts to squelch the people of God. And the problem is, it was working. There was a great famine and uh, that affected all the children of Israel. If you don't mind throwing that map up for me, if you don't mind. So here you can see Syria in the top right portion of this map. Ben-Hadad, which is the king of Syria, he comes, he comes over to where um, you can see Samaria. If you look, see Israel, just southwest of that is, is the trek that Ben-Hadad makes to come to Israel. As he comes to Israel, he surrounds this. In fact, we'll notice in, I, I think I said 1 Kings 7. If you'll turn back a page to 1 Kings chapter 6, uh, we're going to jump in and we're going uh, to see two verses and then we're going to pray uh, this evening. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 24, if you're there, say, I'm there. Good. All right. So 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24, it says this, and it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all the, his host and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And behold, they, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for four score pieces of silver. So a, a donkey's head was sold for 80 pieces of silver. It's a lot of money. And the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into our notes this evening. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you how it transforms our life. I thank you that how that it helps us to become better followers of you. And I pray, God, that through this passage tonight, that you would help us, though we may have gone through some difficulties, though our lives may be a little even depressed. Maybe as we look around and see the destitute of us and our needs. God, may we be delivered tonight. I pray, God, that you would bless in a powerful way. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at this passage, we see here that Israel is going through a great difficulty, a great hardship. I mean, yeah, uh, I faced some difficulties a couple years ago, but nothing compared to what Israel is facing there in their time in this day. The Bible says that, is, that, uh, that um, Ben-Hadad comes down and he besieges it. We see the destituteness of uh, Israel. And in fact, point number one is the destitute, the destitute. The Bible says there that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his host. 
There wasn't any that was lacking in his country. He says, all right, all my men, all my soldiers, I want you to follow me. And he went down to Israel. The Bible says, and he went up and besieged Samaria. This idea of besieging, let me give you a little bit of context. What would oftentimes happen is this besieging would be uh, where an army would come in and surround the city. There was very much intimidation to it, but also what it would do is it would close off all the supplies. If somebody was besieged, they would close the city doors so that nothing came in and no one or nothing went out. But what happens also is the resources that they have were completely cut off. So that means no water, which means no irrigation. It means no agriculture. It means no food. And the scarce, scarcity of the, of the area becomes bleaker and even more hopeless. We see here that the Bible says in verse 25 that a donkey's head was sold for four score pieces of silver and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. So we see the destitute, the intimidation, the city was surrounded by the enemy. He cut off their supply, but also notice the famine and inflation. The famine and inflation. So this donkey head would be purchased or would be sold for 80 pieces of silver. Now, just to give you an idea of how much this is, uh, in the day uh, of the Israelites, a shekel, one shekel was about four days wages, which would equate to about four or five hundred dollars. But this is 80 shekels, which would come to about $30,000 or a year's worth of wages. Now, we've experienced some inflation, I would say, over the last, you know, over the last a couple years, but nothing to this magnitude. It would be like, <clears throat> I, I uh, heard a commercial the other day that McDonald's has improved on their quality of buns, their quality of beef, and, the, um, and their cheese. The Americanness of the cheese, I don't know, or if it's, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but it would be like me going to McDonald's and pulling up to the, to the, the drive-thru and saying, yes, I would like a Big Mac. All right, pull around to the front for your total. As I get to the window, they proceed to tell me, okay, that will be $8,000. What? Now, I know that their quality of beef has increased, but $8,000, that's a... That's a, that's a lot of money. All right, I'll charge it. No, I mean, it is, this is a lot of money, $8,000. And though that may fluctuate on, I mean, people would be like, yeah, that's a month or that's two months or that's three months of wages. Here, these people have gone through a lot. And think of this. This is a donkey's head. This isn't like the side of the beef or this is the head. The head of the beef was the thing that was sold for the cheapest. And the reason that was is because of the lack of meat that was found on the animal. And so a lot of it is its carcass, its head, its skull, but this meat was sold. Now, also this supply and demand has driven this price up to the point where I want to share even, I think, a little bit more practicality, which is important, I would say. For the Jewish people, a donkey 
was something that was not clean. It was not kosher. So they were told not to eat this. But yet this people, they had forgotten, I would say forgotten, uh, their religious law and practices to the point that they were much willing to satisfy or gratify their fleshly desires. To the point that this head of this donkey was nearly a year's worth of wages for the Jewish family. Not just that, but there's also another article that's mentioned here. It's this dove, the Bible says, and forgive my graphicness to this, but it says a quarter part of a, the cab of dove's dung. So about a quart of dove's waste is sold for four pieces of silver. Now, I'm not exactly sure. Maybe they got to the point where they were so hungry and all they had was a little bit of money. And maybe that was through consumption of that. Or maybe they used that for fuel. But do you see the destitute? Do you see the, the lack of resources that this country had? I mean, this is horrible. This was, we have not seen the famine that Israel has seen. As we look at this situation, we look at the bleakness of it. In fact, we're encouraged by, in Romans chapter 3, I think it's on the notes there, by the depravity that we have in our life. The Bible says this in Romans 3.10, and this passage wouldn't be familiar to, to many of us, if at all, tonight, but the Bible says here in this passage, as it is written, there is who righteous? There's none righteous. No, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. We are all gone out of the way. They are altogether become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. The fact is, we are all destitute. We're all in need of something. We're all in need of a Savior. In fact, we re, we're reminded of that great uh, reminder about our sin nature. The world without Christ is, is one of despair. In fact, a, a, a quote as I was looking through this, whenever we get out, whenever we get away from fearing God, often we regret our decisions. Can I say that again? Whenever we get away from fearing God, that idea of respecting him we oftentimes regret our decisions. The truth is, I've been there. Can't, haven't, we been, haven't we been there in our life? We look back and we think, you know, I should have just spent some more time with God, whether that was in prayer or allowing God to speak to me. But as a result of missing out with that time with God, there's been some decisions that I've made in my life that I just regretted as a result of that. I think the children of Israel are probably living that themselves, but notice with me the lack of resources that they have. Verses 26 and verse 27 of the same chapter, the Bible says, and as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, uh, some people believe that this was the king Jehoram. He reigned for 12 years in Israel, not a long time, but as he's walking on this wall, the Bible says, uh, uh, the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall. There cried a woman unto him, crying, saying, Help, my lord, O king, help, my lord, O king. 
In verse 27, he says, and he said, if the Lord do not help thee, when shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor, out of the wine press? So as oftentimes they would have chariot races on the top of on the top of these walls, or people would, would walk or, um, on these walls. And as the king is doing that this day, there's a woman that comes up to him and says, King, would you help me? And he looks down and he says, he says, if the Lord isn't going to help you, I can't help you. What am I going to do? Go to my, uh, my barn that nothing's there? Or go to my wine press where it's all gone? I can't help you. And this is the day where everyone is facing difficulties, challenges. But notice the brutality that happens as well in the next verse. Verse 28, it says, And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? What's the problem? So you're telling me you don't have anything, but what's the problem? She now addresses her need. And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give thy son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. Even as I read this, there's a pit in my stomach that, that, that formulates the, the carnality, the, the hunger, the need, the, but the grotesqueness. What would drive somebody to, to cook their son or even come up with the idea of that? And that's one set. But notice what happens in verse 29. It even gets worse. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him. And she hath hid her son. Do you see the need in this nation? It is just horrible. I mean, there is great need, spiritual need, there's physical need, there's mental needs that need to be met that only come through that of Jesus Christ. We see the destitute. We see the destitute here, but notice with me the depressed, the depressed, number two. There is great needs that many times can only be fulfilled by that of Jesus Christ. Um, number two is the depressed. Notice if you'll flip over one page to Second uh, Kings chapter 7. So we see the destitute. Notice with me the depressed. We're going to get to some good news here in just a second, so don't allow that to weigh on you too much. The Bible says, then Elisha, verse 1, Elisha said, hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. So here, Elisha comes, and he comes with some great news. He said, I know that you've, you've been saving up just to buy um, some fuel or maybe some food, or maybe you're really saving up to get a little bit of meat. But he says, if you'll just hold out tomorrow, he said, it's going to be on clearance. I mean, I love, don't you love clearance? Oh, I love clearance. Whenever we go to a shop, whenever we go to a store, many times charity will go through different things. The first place I look for is that big red sign with white letters that says clearance. 
Why? Because you don't want to pay full price. Why pay, why pay full price whenever you take it home and then the next day there's a hole in it? And so I just go for the clearance. I might as well pay several dollars less. Elisha's saying here, he says, hold it. He says, you're going to get some really cheap stuff here. And, but notice what happens right after this. Number two, verse two says, then, then a Lord or a master, a servant on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God. So he talks to Elisha and he says, behold, if the Lord were, would make windows of heaven, might this thing be? You know, Elisha, I think that sounds really too good to be true. Really? You think God can do something that great? I don't think so. Elisha responds to him. Notice what he says. And, Eli- and he, Elisha, said, Behold, thou shalt see it, with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. He misses out on the blessings of God. Now, there's some really great truths that I want to dive into in this passage. The first point is this, in this, this idea of depressed. Where is your message coming from? The message that you get in your life, the message that you received this morning, the message that you spent, where did you get your message from? Was it from that, that screen that you flipped on to get your news? Was it from your social media account? Where did you get your news? Where did you get um, your message from? Did you see where Elisha got his message from? Notice in verse 1, it says, Then Elisha said, what does he say those next two words? Hear ye. Then he says, the word of the Lord. He got his message from Jehovah God. I want to tell you tonight, there is all different kinds of places that we can get our message from. In fact, our world is filled with giving out free agendas. Here's your agenda about this. Here's your agenda about this. Here's your agenda about this. Whenever we watch movies um, growing up, I didn't really know too much about agendas till I got married to Charity. And she said, and when we got married, she says, hey, do you see the agenda in this? I'm like, what are you talking about? And, um, and I, I start looking. I'm like, you're right. I'm like, that's exactly right. And I, I love watching movies with my head in the sand and thinking, you know, this is just a great movie, but there's an agenda to it. And I thought, how sad. Now she's, she's ruined it for me for the rest of my life. And now I'm like, Did you, I'm talking to church. Do you see that agenda? Do you see what they're pushing there? And so much so that our kids are saying, man, I can't believe this agenda. And so <laughs> we're just little disciples, uh, you know, making disciples. But the truth is the world gives out agendas like they're candy. And the fact is, if we partake in those agendas, we start thinking that way. And our world on our social media account, our world through employees, employers, if we're not careful, our message is skewed, and we forget that our message should be coming from the Lord. Here, Elisha shares a great word with others, and he says, listen, this is what you should be Talk, this is what God's going to do. We see, we wonder where our message is coming from, but also I would say this, it's about our perspective, our perspective in life. What is your perspective in life? Your life around you could be falling apart, but it's how you look at your perspective. 
uh, there was a, a quote that was made by Zig Ziglar, Zig Ziglar. He said this, your attitude, not your aptitude, will determine your altitude. This is transformational. As we catch this phrase, he says, your attitude, your perspective, how your outlook on life is. He says, not your aptitude, that is, your skill, your trade. He says, your attitude will determine your altitude. How far you go in life, how far I go in life, will be a determination on what my attitude is on the situation. Elisha says, you know what? God's going to do something great here tomorrow. The guy says, really? Is God going to do something great? And Elisha says to that guy, you know what? Because of your lack of belief, you're going to see it, but you're not going to be able to partake in it. May that not be said of us. Because of our lack of faith, we won't get to see what God wants to do through us. And may God use us to impact our culture, our community, and our city for the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants to use you. God wants to use me to change our neighbor. God wants to use me to impact a city. God wants to use us to impact the world for the cause of Christ. But it takes an individual who says, God, what is it you want me to do? You see, this man who could have been used says, yeah, sure, God's going to do that. And as a result of that, he misses out on seeing what God wants to do. Psalm 37, I came across this verse. I've read it many times. But this past year, this verse has come real to me like it has never come, like I've never seen it before. The Bible says this, that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. I'd love to break down this verse, and I'd love to share with you how this has made been meaningful, so meaningful to me. The Bible says that the steps of a good man, so as, as an individual, the emphasis there is on good man, so the, or the steps. As an individual is walking through life, the steps of a good man, so somebody that's doing right, that's honoring God, that's living for him, the steps of a good man, the Bible says are, what's the next word? Ordered. That word order means to be set up or appointed. If, you can, if we can go back to that verse, because I want to um, focus on that for just a minute. Thank you. So, so that idea of ordered is uh, set up or appointed. So as I'm walking in life, as I'm going through life, God directs my steps. So he takes my foot, says, no, I need to step here. As I'm walking, God says, nope, you need to step here. So my steps, as I'm doing what's right... God says, God guides me and he directs me. And it's almost like a puzzle piece. Whenever I look at a puzzle, a puzzle box, it's like, whoa, this is all over the place. But as you sit it down, there's one puzzle piece at a time that goes, gets put together. And as you look at it, you're like, whoa, this is a masterpiece as it's taken time. Our life is very similar to that. But notice it says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. Now, if, if we're looking at this, the structure of this, we might think that he is referring to the good man or the steps of the good man. But it's not that he is talking about none other than Jehovah, 
the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we're going through life and God's guiding our steps, he sits back and he is pleased with the life of an individual. Let me express it even further this way. When we were last, or two Sundays ago, this upcoming Sunday, two Sundays prior, uh, after services in Peru, uh, one of the, uh, Mitch uh, McCormack, he says, hey, do you want to play soccer? I said, sure, I'll play soccer. As we get out there, uh, he breaks up the teams, and I don't know if you've ever been the, like the last one picked. Uh, well, we were, I was pretty much like the last one picked. I'm like, you know, the, the kid that's like, hey, choose me, choose me, and everyone, all of these Peruvians are choosing everyone. They see the gringo there, and hey, choose me, and it's like, okay, I, I, was, choose, I was chosen last. So we're, we're, that's okay. I wasn't disappointed too bad, and so, so they said, hey, where do you want to play? I said, I'll play goalie, because I'm thinking here in my mind, I, I'm not that great on my, my footwork, and uh, I don't have to run too much, and I, anybody can block a, a ball, right? I, I wasn't thinking really too much a, a ahead of that because Peruvians kick really hard. And so um, as we're getting into the game, <clears throat> we're playing the game, um, there was one ball that was kicked. Man, I, I took it to the stomach, and I'm like, oh! I mean, it was, I took it, and I was, it just nearly lost my breath. As we're playing soccer, we're playing some more, I tried to block a goal, or tried to block a, um, a ball that was kicked my way, and in fact, I'm wearing a brace on my, uh, my hand tonight because uh, I thought I jammed my finger. I think I broke my finger, and so I'm, I'm you know, in disarrayment as I'm this goalie that's getting, uh, getting a ball shot at me, but as I was, that night, as I was, as I was the goalie, Trey was on my, our team, and as I was watching Trey, I was sitting back as the goalie, and I was watching him play, and he scored a couple goals. He, he, he took the ball from a couple Peruvians. I'm like, that's my son! It's like, yeah, that's right. Go, Trey! Oh, and then the ball, you know, comes and hits me in the head. And uh, as I'm looking back and I'm watching all this, I'm so overwhelmed with joy and excitement. I'm like, that's my son! This verse, if I can translate that to this verse, the Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. As I'm doing what God wants me to do, God guides my steps. Things just kind of fall into place. And he delighteth in his way. When I'm choosing to do what God wants me to do, Almighty God is looking down and he's like, that's my boy! yes, that's him. Or he's like, that's my daughter. Way to go. You keep doing right. That's awesome. And God is up there cheering us on as we are doing what God would have us to do. I don't know if that makes you overwhelmed with joy, but I want to tell you as a dad who, is, who saw his son doing an excellent job and seeing him grow older. And I'm thinking, man, I'm so thankful that I get to be a part of his life. Jesus, Jehovah God, is up in heaven saying the same thing about us. And that's an amazing thought. We see it's about perspective. That word delighted is to mean to be pleased or to take pleasure in. But we see here that this man takes the wrong choice. But I want to show you lastly the delivered. We see the destitute. We see um, the destitute, the depressed, but notice with me the, the, the delivered. The delivered. As we see uh, in 2 Kings chapter 7 
in verses 3 to 20, for sake of time, I'm just going to explain the passage. What happens is, within the camp where all the Israelites are, there's famine, there's difficulty, there's, I mean, we, we expressed a little bit of what people are going through. Um, the, the, um, I mean, they're eating their kids, horrible. Outside of the camp, the Syrians have tons of stuff. They have gold, they have silver, they have food. And within the middle of the camp, or just outside of the camp, there was the marketplace, or the entering into the city, where the gate was shut, there was four lepers there. There's three options that they have, three options that the lepers have. Um, they have. They can go into the city, back to where they're from. They're lepers now, so they could say, hey, uh, look, can we do something? But they're going to die there. They said they could stay where they're at, and they're probably more than likely going to die there. But they said we could go into the Syrian army, and if we go into the Syrian army, there's just by chance that maybe they'll keep us Maybe we'll be slaves for the rest of our life, but maybe we'll have food, but maybe we'll die. They chose to go into the camp. As they go into the, the first tent, they're like, excuse me, probably you're a little loud, kind of boisterous leper here. And as they open up the tent, they notice that they start calling out. No one's there. They smell the food that was, that was there, and as they go around, they see the gold, and maybe they take a turkey leg and they, they eat it, Maybe they take some grapes and dates and other food. They fill up a little bit. They go to another tent. That tent is also empty. They start packing their stuff or all on them. And uh, I mean, they were lepers, so they had probably lost some weight. So maybe they're holding up their pants as they're, maybe their shirt, they're loading it in. And uh, they're going to each of the tents. And they thought, wow, they've gorged themselves to the point their stomachs are kind of overstuffed like right after Thanksgiving or Christmas and just very full, one of the thoughts came to one of the guys and said, hey, we shouldn't keep this for ourselves. We should go back to, the, to uh, Jehoram. We should, we should let him know. If you'll read this passage, it's fascinating. What's fascinating is this. As the word gets to the king, he says, no, no, no. The Syrians, this is a trick. They're wanting to trick us, and he, he doesn't even believe God. He doesn't even believe the word. But yet what happens is, we see just as Elisha said, that the whole nation of Israel gets to see the great things of God. The Bible says in verse uh, 19 chapter 7 verse 19 says in that lord the guy same guy that was leaning upon the king the syrian or the um israelite king jehoram he says the lord answered the man of god and says now behold if the windows the lord should make windows in heaven might such a thing be and he said behold thou shalt see it with thine eyes but shalt not eat thereof and the bible says for so it fell out unto him for the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died. This guy did not get to see the good things of God. Now, what is, what, as we're wrapping things up here, what are we trying to see here? We see that there was some great news that was shared. We see that some people missed the news. What is it that we have that we can give to the world? The answer is the gospel. There's people that we know 
Maybe people that we live beside, people that we work with, people that we meet or interact with that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We shouldn't withhold that. We should share that good news with other people. Why? Because God has given us the greatest gift of salvation. When we, when we have the great message, we need to share it with others. It really impacts the lives of others. As we live in a world that's destitute, we live in a world that needs and is looking for something. We live in a world that's depressed. We need to be the one that's delivering the good news of Jesus Christ. And as we deliver the good news of Jesus Christ, we have the greatest opportunity to impact the world, impact our culture, and to see God do some great things. May in our life today be guided by his uh, be guided by him as we take our steps and as we live for the Lord. Would you join me for prayer? Lord, I thank you so much for this lesson. This lesson on these four lepers, this lesson on Elisha, this, this lesson on even how you protect us from, you protected uh, the Israelites from the Syrians and even Ben-Hadad. God, I thank you how that you provided for the needs of your people. Lord, as we desire that our needs to be met, maybe there's within this room, I, I would imagine that there's probably a financial need. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.